0: In the Father's name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So tomorrow is the feast of St. Moses the... We call St. Moses the Black. I think that's not as socially acceptable anymore. Um, so <laughs> most of us are... Because he has another title in the church, which is the strong um, Abba Moses or St. Moses the Ethiopian. So I was going to just review his life briefly, maybe comment maybe on a few uh, other virtues or lessons that we can get from him. And then you guys can also share what you guys get out of him for one another as well. So Saint Moses was born in the year three thirty. At one point somebody told me they weren't sure if he's like from like southern Egypt or from Ethiopia, but he's from Ethiopia. He we don't know much about his childhood, but we know that at some point he decided to make his way to Egypt to try out like life in the big city, I guess. So he moved there and he became actually a servant to a rich household. And he worked for them, but he wasn't the most friendly of sorts. And he was very aggressive and angry and um, wanted stuff. And so he just took stuff. So he was robbing the home of the people that he lived with. And so they fired him. So that didn't stop St. Moses. Um, so he decided to start a gang so he could continue to rob people. So St. Moses actually became known as the ringleader of a really bad gang. There's a lot of reasons why I think that a lot of our youth love St. Moses today. So like, he was hardcore into it, he was violent, he was aggressive, they were very, very, very feared. Murder wasn't far from him, Um, rape, um, like you name it, like the the most dark of things are the things that he was doing. There's one story about him that, um, he was breaking into someone's home at one point, the dogs that they had started barking when he's climbing on the walls, and he got so angry that even this dog foiled his plans to rob them that he swam across the Nile to the, the guy owned property, I guess, on the other side, um, which is a really mean feat. Like, if you know what the Nile looks like, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Swam across the Nile allegedly with like his sword in his mouth to climb the wall, rob the guy, and then swam across and joined his gang like 40 kilometers away, like all in a day. So like he was, he's a beast. So, he was not uh, he was not a God-fearing person. So, the people who he had worked for were sun worshippers, which isn't that shocking in Egypt. Maybe not as expected in 4th century Egypt, but not shocking altogether. And so, his image of God was the sun. Because we often talk about how Moses would cry out to the sun. But that was the reason why. Which is another good lesson in and of, of itself about how God interacts with us. But... So obviously, as he's living this life, he wasn't really truly actually feeling fulfilled because on on down days, he would look up at the sky, particularly at the sun and just say, "Are you real like are you God?" and if you are, tell me and i'll and I'll serve you so he wasn't pleased and he did pray he wasn't praying to, like knowingly to the right God, but the right God was was listening to him for his his prayer so there's two versions of this story one is that um, like he, heard, he had a revelation and he was told that um, he should go to the monastery the other story I think that's one that we read in the Senexarium tomorrow the other story is that he went to the monastery but not because he wanted to be a monk he went to the monastery because he wanted to rob the monastery and as he was robbing the cell of one of the monks he found that the monk rather than like getting angry or running or being afraid started helping him rob him so he was like handing him the stuff to put on his like, camels and stuff. He was like, yeah, take this, um, and like fastening it for him. And that confused St. Moses immensely and asked, why are you doing this when I'm not here like, to be your friend? I'm here to take your stuff. And, he, and the reply was, I'm doing this because this is what my Lord taught us, that, was, that give to all those who ask to love your enemies, to turn the other cheek. And this was enough that made Moses not willing to leave and was adamant that he stay at the monastery and be received, um, for Christian instruction there. So he actually was sent to St. Macarius the Great first for his catechism, if you will, and his baptism, because Macarius was a priest. So in those days, having priests in a monastery actually wasn't very common, um, which is a big deal because Moses will see will become a priest. But, you had usually only one, maybe two, at most priests, if any, in a monastic community. They typically would allow people to come from the villages to serve the sacraments, but the, the monks were were cut off from everybody else. They didn't have anything like that. But St. Macarius was an exception because St. Macarius was already a priest before he came to monastic life. Um, Macarius had been a priest. He's another phenomenal saint that we celebrated in... Um, April. So Macarius baptizes him, sends him back, and he takes for himself as a father confession um, Saint Isidore, who him and those two are, are inseparable um, now, even in death. Like their bodies are right next to each other, um, and they always operate together, and we'll come to that as well. So Isidore was like incredibly, incredibly patient. When I read about Saint Isidore, I see in him like a father and a mother. Um, like he has the, he has the, he knows how to chastise and do all that, but he also knows how to be compassionate and nurturing, um, and, a, a very like sympathetic ear. So in Moses's first confession, um, St. Macarius or Isidore, because I'm not clear on which one it was that took his first confession yet, um saw standing behind him an angel with a tablet of stone that was like pitch black. And as St. Moses just kept on pouring out everything that he had done, um, he just saw this angel like wiping the tablet clean behind him until he was done and, and the St. Isidore, who, who I received the story of St. Isidore, said he would become white now um, on the inside. So that was the beginning of monastic life. But just like St. Mary of Egypt, just like anybody knows, like you don't get rid of a temptation overnight. So one of the biggest temptations for St. Moses was fornication, um, because he had lived such a licentious life, right? So it wasn't something that he could in a night get rid of. So he would be plagued with thoughts all night, memories, urges, all sorts of things. And he'd get very, very worked up. He'd get very, very upset. And so he would go running to his spiritual father, St. Isidore, um, and wake him up and ask him to pray for him. So St. Isidore would give him some advice, pray for him, send him back, and then Moses would try and go to bed, but it would keep happening. So it says that there's one night he came actually seven times. So And it wasn't just the one night, like this was many times. So on one of these nights, St. Isidore, feeling really compassionate for him because he felt like Moses was despairing, prayed and asked God to reveal to him what he could see. And it was it's a beautiful imagery because it's exactly like the relationship between Elijah and... And Elisha, because the same scenario happened with those two, where Elijah prayed that Elisha get to see what he could see. Isidore did the same thing. So, and actually, the expression that Isidore uses ends up being the same as Elijah. So, what happens is he pulls Moses up on top of his cell, of, of Saint Isidore's cell, and says, Look over in the direction of your cell and tell me what you see towards the west so moses looks and he sees like thousands and thousands of demons waging war on on his cell and on all of the monks and so he says okay now look towards the east looking towards the east he saw myriads which means ten thousands of ten thousands um, of angels fighting on behalf of the children of god and so he asks moses this is exactly like elijah and he says and who is more and so moses replies saying those who are with us are more than those who are against us Um, so taking courage moses goes back to his cell um, to fight the good fight. And maybe because of his past, uh, St. Moses becomes an image of not being the judge um, of others. So the icon that I have um, up in the church right now depicts that this, this story, which is where um, monastic communities, when they come together, it's called the Synaxis. So they come together and have a, a meeting. And if someone did something wrong, there would be there be judgment of sorts. This wasn't as common in the eastern desert or in Kelya, to my knowledge. It was more of the St. Pachumia, St. Shenouda style, where they had a very clear constitution and they had penalties and they had like a, a legal code. But apparently one of the monks was caught doing something wrong. It's not stated in what I read what exactly it was that, that he did. So they were caught congregating all the monks together to pass judgment of, will he be allowed to continue with us? Is this something that... Requires him to be removed from the community, or should he just have a, like some penalty? Like they they wanted to discuss that. So the monks were very excited about this, um, but Moses was not. So when they called Saint Moses to go with them to judge this monk, Saint Moses didn't say anything. Um, instead, he went and got a bag uh, or a sack of sand, put a small hole in it, and carried over his back and started walking towards the church with everybody else. So obviously he looked ridiculous um, because he's just walking with a random bag and sand coming like behind him. And so the monks were like, what are you doing exactly? And so he said to them, this sand that you see coming out of my bag, these are my sins. And he goes, so while I go to judge my neighbor, I have all these sins behind me, not before me, that I'm putting out, that I'm not aware of, that I'm not paying attention to just to judge this other person and then refused to judge. And because of him doing that, actually, all of the monks um, learned their lesson and they decided that they weren't going to come together to judge the monk at all. So he grew in virtue, he grew in righteousness, He's very close to St. Isidore. And like I said earlier, priesthood was extremely uncommon um, in the desert. And so St. Moses, and I'm just going to say it point blank, like Egyptians are very racist. So for for St. Moses to be so loved within the community already means, like, it's a big deal. Like, it's a really big deal. I mean, obviously not all Egyptians are racist, but racism definitely exists. Um, and so it speaks volumes that he became the father to over 500 monks, like, in terms of instruction and teaching, that they requested that he become a priest. Um, and because it was such a big deal, they actually, the pope himself came to ordain him. Like, they could have just asked some random bishop to come. And the pope had heard so much about the virtue um, of St. Moses that he wanted to do, this was more common back in the day, it's a lot less acceptable to us today, but it was normal back then, this is a preface to this story, um, is that the Pope wanted to prove him, to, to prove to the people the virtue of St. Moses, so he did something intentionally very mean. So on the day of his ordination, so if you can imagine, like, this is the Pope, right, this isn't some random, doing something incredibly uncommon in any monastery, which is to ordain a priest. And you can imagine that because the Pope was here, everybody is at the monastery. And the Pope, when it came time for his ordination goes, what is this black man doing over here? Get him away from me. And, and had him removed from the church. And St. Moses didn't shed a tear. He didn't say a word. He walked out um, and said to himself, it is good for you to suffer affliction. Um, and reminded himself of the things that he that he had done in his past um, and then the Pope immediately ordered that people go get him the next day like he waited and ordained him a priest and then told the people what he was doing so that it wouldn't just be like a, a pity ordination he told them no this was intentional to show you this is a real monk this is a person of virtue that it should be and actually has a response that I'll read later because he didn't deny that it upset him right he didn't pretend that, Like, that he loved it, right? He didn't say, oh, that was so great, I'm so glad that I got humiliated. Um, He turned it into something virtuous, but he was bothered by it. But I have to get the exact quote later on, I can't remember it. So that was his ordination. Um, And as we said, he became the leader of his own monastery with over 500 monks. Eventually, the, the Berbers, which was a barbaric group that basically just demolished everything that they saw... Um, and took possession of They knew that the, the Berbers were on their way to the monastery um, So they had the opportunity to all flee And, and go with their lives So St. Moses actually encouraged people to go Like he said, if you want to go, go He goes, but as for me, he goes, I believe the words of Christ That those who live by the sword will die by the sword He goes, so I'm not leaving And he was like, so anybody who wishes to go may go So seven uh, monks chose to remain um, with St. Moses and all eight of them collectively were martyred on the same day. This is where I have beef with St. Moses, and I'm sorry, um, is that I don't I don't know why that's martyrdom um, because I don't know that the Berbers are killing them for being Christian as much as they're killing them for their property. And I'm gonna admit my bias is because I like St. Anthony being above him in rank. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, so he's, and, and the church is clearly, in my view, not clear on his position because you'll sometimes find him put in the ranks of martyrs before the ascetics, but in the psalmody, you'll find him after the monastics, after the martyrs and in the monastics, which is why I'm saying even the church seems to have some uh, internal discord on where does he get um, placed. So if he was being murdered specifically for his faith, then yes, of course, he's a martyr. But if he's being killed for any other reason, that doesn't make it less heroic what he did, but just that it wouldn't necessarily make him... A martyr, so I'm not taking shots, I'm just throwing that out there as a question sameos. Um can, can so, ask,
1: yeah. like wouldn't he still be a martyr though? Because even though they're going to attack them, they clearly know this is a monastery. They're Christians, they were known to steal the vessels of the altar to sell for profit. So wouldn't that make him a martyr? Or like,
0: what's the issue there? It would be to me a question of, did the Berbers just kill everyone that they took over? Right, like, like whether it was a Christian that owned this monastery, or whether it was a bunch of random, I don't know, gypsies, would they have killed the gypsies as well? I guess is the question for me. But if Moses d- died defending the monastery, right? Like if that was the, the intention, then yeah, I, I would see him as a martyr, right? In the sense that if he's trying to protect the sanctity of the church from being um, attacked, like when they would take the vessels and all of that, then I guess he would. It's kind of like, for example, the the, the martyrs of the Not to get political, right? Is that um, I don't see them as religious martyrs personally. I see them as political martyrs because they were they were murdered. It was during the revolution. So there was bulldozers that came and, 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 and ran over them. And it was known that they were Christians. But what they were doing wasn't an act of, of, of Christian faith, right? Like what they were doing was a political demonstration, which is fine. I'm not mad at them for doing that. But I'm just saying that being killed for that is different from being killed because of your belief in Jesus Christ specifically, right? So that's why I'm like, I, I don't know. But I'm sure So Anthony's the boss anyway. Go ahead.
1: So in regard to that same story, um, when he says, oh, I'm going to stay here to die so that Christ's words are fulfilled, of oh, whoever kills by the sword will also perish by it, sometimes I feel like, isn't this kind of suicide in a sense of, I know I'm coming, someone's going to come to kill me, and I'm just waiting around for them, yeah, like, come kill me so that this words are fulfilled, or like, or not suicide per se, but like, I'm just asking to get killed. Yeah, like, come kill me so that this occurs. Like, it just felt weird reading this piece of his story.
0: Yeah. I had the same problem with it, to be honest. I think part of it is is that it's difficult for us to understand the mindset, not only of the time, but of a monk, right? Which is that to the monk, it's like... To live is, is Christ and to die is gain, as St. Paul said, right? So it was like, I'm not going to live in the world. I have no desire to ever be in the world again. So am I going to just keep running wherever they're going to go? Assume this is, that's what I'm saying, the martyr martyrdom part needs to be clarified to me. Because if they were targeting monasteries in general, then it means that he was going to just go from monastery to monastery because they did go killing all the monks, almost all the monasteries. So it might have been to him, I'm just going to accept like I'm, like I, I'm a, like I, I accept that to be killed, um, and on top of it, so let it be, especially because of what I did. But I don't, I don't think it was a death wish in the sense of like, hey, I may as well die. There's nothing like that kind of thing. But it is a hard one.
1: Old at
0: this point. Let me see. So who are
1: these people slaughtering?
0: Three thirty. He actually wasn't that old. He was seventy-five. He's
1: crazy.
0: Yeah, he's. Can
1: you imagine taking it to the a There's... There be a threat to your to rob Well,
0: Moses was strong, right? Like, <laughs> he was. One time, four of his previous gang members came to the monastery to pillage it, and he beat them, tied them up, um, and then left them for the abbot to deal with. Like, he didn't take out revenge, and they were like, what is going on? Um, and so the abbot... Um, received them And then when they realized That it was Moses They stayed too So they became monks as well um, So he was The gangster monk I guess But um, So Two other stories Before going to the the lessons Or maybe more Because I, I built some of them Into the lessons One is that Moses As a personality Was really sociable um, Like he was He was a good-natured person. He had a sense of humor, Um, and he wasn't shy to receive guests. Um, I'm saying that because living at the exact same time as St. Arsenios, who was absolute opposite. Like St. Arsenios hated people very much. Um, I'm sure he didn't hate them, but he did not like any visitors. He didn't like talking to anybody to the point that I took the trek by walking from St. Anthony to St. Paul, and I was thinking of these stories when I did it because... It was a 15-hour walk. Um, and so in my mind, I'm like, these people that came to see these monks for a word, it wasn't like you take a bus and go to the monastery. Like They, they took a brutal journey, because that was just from monastery to monastery, not even just getting to the monastery. So some people would go all the way to see St. Arsenius, and he'd be like, I don't want to see your face. <laughs> and I can only imagine now how much that would really not be fun. Um, and then even one person was like begging him, like, just pray for me. And he's like, I pray that you forget the day you saw me. Um, And so where St. Moses (laughs) was like, come in, let me make you tea, let me put food um, in front of you, let me do all these things. Even there's a really funny story where some person had heard of St. Moses and traveled all the way to Shahid to see him. Um, And he's close to the monastery, and he meets up with a monk. um, And he was like, the monk's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the monastery. I heard about this guy, Moses, and I want to see him. And he's like, no, 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 don't waste your time. Um, And he was like, what do you mean? He goes, he's horrible. And he was like, what have you heard about him? He's like, I heard he was virtuous. I heard, I was just listening to all these good things. And he's like, no, man, he's the opposite. He does this and this and this and this and this and this. He goes, so go to the monastery, take his blessing, but have nothing to do with that man. Um, so he gets to the monastery and he greets the monks and asks him, he's like, no, I met this guy on the road and they told me don't meet Moses because blah, 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 blah. So like, what did he look like? <laughs> so they describe him like, that's Moses. And so they're like, okay. So he was a bit of a prankster and humble because part of it was that he didn't want to be seen that way so one person visiting the monastery or one of the monks actually had great confusion because of this contrast right where he looked at Arsenius and Moses who were living in the exact same time and said how on earth can they both be right like they are completely the opposite of each other um, and he was like so does a monk accept guests or does he refuse them does he talk to people or does he stay silent so that monk, um, that night when he went to sleep, had a, a dream or a vision. And in it he saw two boats um, and angels on both boats. And in one boat was St. Arsenius, and the other boat was St. Moses, and they're both heading towards heaven. Um, and so the message was, this is a way and this is a way. There are people who don't like to be with people, and there are people who do, and both of them can take you to, um, to heaven. It's one of the really famous stories of the, of the paradise of the Fathers, which is like a collection of, of stories and saints and sayings of the Desert Fathers. So that was one story. Um, the other thing that he did that I forgot to mention was that he would, to fight um, with fornication, he wanted to, like, wear himself out, um, not to give himself time for it. So you used to have to walk great distances to get water um, because you didn't just have, like, Plumbing back in the day. So he would go not only to get his own, but he would take the water buckets of all of the, the elders of the monastery um, and fill them, which is a really laborious task to have like two or three buckets and just going back and forth for kilometers or miles um, at a time. Um, back and forth is like he just wanted to wear himself out. He would use that time to pray, to do psalms, and do things like that. But then he turned his warfare into a work of love for others, right? That he, he was at the feet of, of everybody else um, rather than lording over them. So some lessons that I take from him, some I had written before online and some not. One is dealing with um, addiction, is that all of us have some kind of addiction. Right, and so I think St. Moses is a great intercessor for us as addicts um, because he was addicted, right? He's addicted to violence. He's addicted to women. He's addicted to sin. He was doing this for years and years of his life, right? And that's why even when he joined the monastery, that he still had his addiction, right? Like he didn't suddenly not have a desire. He had to fight it. Um, and so, if we look at him as an image. He didn't fake the difficulty of the battle, right? Like sometimes, like my general thing with Moses that I love is that he's real. That's the first and last. That he's always authentic. But he didn't fake the, the battle being easy. He didn't pretend like, oh, no, 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 like once I found God, like I no longer had a, a night's, like lost a night's sleep. He's like, no, I couldn't sleep, right? And he, and he battles with it and he battles with it um, honestly, um, goes to his abba and he opens up, right? Because many of us don't want to open up about our addictions, we don't, even though we all have them, right? Well, we don't want to say that something has control over me. So he could have, for example, hidden his addiction and his warfare from a spiritual father because he would have been worried that he'd get kicked out. He might have been worried that, like, they're going to think that I can't be a monk because I've had this history and I'm having this warfare. Then maybe it's better that I not say anything. But instead, he was very open um, and real about his issues. And he found, because of it, relief and comfort, not condemnation. Um, so I think that for those of us who are addicted, we do need to open up um, to others because healing doesn't come ever from ourselves, ever. Healing is always going to come externally. Um, the other thing was about his uh, his atheism um, or his doubt or his agnosticism or whatever you wish. Um, I, I like first that he didn't pretend he... He believed because he didn't, right? But he was authentic in his, in his questions, right? Like a lot of people today who believe in God, will be quick to label atheists as jerks, people who love sin, and that's the only reason why they're atheists. They're just angry. They're they're stupid. They're narcissistic. They're blah blah blah. Like well, well, theists they are vocal in their fight with atheists, I should say often have that kind of attitude. Meanwhile, you'll have the atheists, right, who'll be like, oh, those gullible people who just love a teddy bear, and they're anti-science, and they'll have all sorts of slurs that they have against people who are theist irrespective of whether they're true or false, right, is that they'll bil- be bil- doing that. Whereas St. Moses was like, I couldn't care less about that, right? Even though he was in the thick of the worst kind of lifestyle, right, he didn't waste his time on the labels, he asked the deep question, which is, Are you real? That's my question, right? Because if you're real, I want to know. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're saying. I'm asking you, if you're real, please respond, right? And so he did. Our God did respond. I'd also point out, um, because a lot of people today do struggle with faith, that God's response wasn't what probably Moses anticipated, right? Most people, when they're asking questions like that, want, like, the heavens to open up, right? And to, like rain to fall down when they demand rain. And can like, now I know that there's a God. Um, whereas that isn't what God did, right? God instead was just like, here's a Christian, right? He gave him the guy he was robbing, right? And said, this is what I look like. And so he found his answer because he was receptive, because he wanted an answer, right? Many of us, when we're asking hard questions, we want a particular answer. Right, or we want our particular answer in a particular way. So we're listening for God to speak in our way. Where it's like he's gonna do this, that means that I got my prayers answered. When that might not be how it is at all. And that reminds me of like Elijah, for example, when he was pulled to the mountain and he's waiting to hear God, and it says there's a great earthquake, right? But the voice of the Lord was not an earthquake. And then there's a great windstorm and the voice of the Lord was not in the storm. There's all these loud things and it keeps on repeating what the voice of the Lord was not in any of those things and then finally it said the voice of the Lord came in a still small breeze right that the voice of the Lord is is quiet he's not a he doesn't always not doesn't always he typically doesn't work in loud bangs and 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 shows which is why even people didn't identify Christ as God because it wasn't how they were expecting so Moses was authentic in his in his doubt and he's authentic in his pursuit of truth um and consequently, um, he got an answer. Um, one of the sayings of St. Moses, I have. Um, I should have compiled them into one to send to you guys, like a collection of them. One of my favorite sayings of St. Moses the Black that I usually print and put under his icon in my prayer room is if a man's works are not in conformity with his prayers, his prayers are in vain. Right? Which is big problem for most of us right is that you're praying for something and you doing having what you're doing have nothing to do with your prayer isn't gonna take you anywhere right so it's almost like sorry to be vulgar I don't know it'd be like somebody who has like like a subscription to a bad magazine saying lord save me from this well you've paid for it to automatically come to you right so like you can't say lord help me right when you're the one running after it and say, like, what do you want, like, to suddenly have your subscription evaporate, right? Like, you have to do something, right, that, that matches the desire that you have. So, we need to be real. If we're going to talk to God, if we're going to ask God for something, then what we do has to match that thing that we're asking for, right? So, even in his pursuit of truth, right, he, he was asking a question, and he was alert and attentive, right? He was, he was listening. Um, so we don't have to be perfect overnight, but we have to desire it. The third thing, which I kind of mentioned already before, was not faking it. Um, that St. Moses didn't take on a personality that was not his own. So I talked about the difference between St. Arsenius and him, right? But today I see this a lot, where people have this image of holiness, and that was true back then, right? And it's even still true in the monasteries. A lot of people today, when they go to the monastery, They want the monk to be, like, silent with his head down. And at the same time, they want the monk to talk to them and tell them stories. Like, it's like a dichotomy within us. But we have this image that holiness has to be like such and such, that the person never speaks, the person never does whatever. St. Moses didn't concern himself with what other people saw as images, right? All he did was pursue God and to know God. And as a result, his personality was his personality. Right? He didn't say, I'm a monk and I do this. I always tell the story sometimes in confession. I remember there's a bunch of people in Canada when they first met Abou Anastasi. Um They all started singing like him, talking like him, um, because they saw in him holiness. So it was like, it was a nice thing because they saw him as um, this good image. So I didn't know yet who they were emulating. And so like a good friend of mine named, uh, I won't say his name because I'm hoping he gets ordained a to priest soon, but he called me and his voice was so quiet. And so he was talking on the phone, he's like, hi, Mina, how are you, blah, 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 And so I was like, I'm good. And I felt really loud, like just answering normally. So then I hung up, I'm like, I'm a bad person. Like, I'm really loud. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I should whisper too. So I tried for like a week to talk really quietly. And so I'd go to my dad, i like, hi, Boba. <laughs> and my dad's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, nothing. Um, I lasted like five days, <laughs> like, I can't, this is not me, um, I can't do it, um, because it's wrong, <laughs> like, it's wrong to do that, so there are people who are introverts, there are people who are extroverts, there are people, so like I usually tell people in confession, be yourself, don't sin, right, so if you're an introvert, be an introvert, but don't be cold, right, if you're talkative, that's okay, be talkative, but don't lie, don't gossip, right, don't, don't use your personality in, in a wrong way. Right, don't offend other people with it. So Saint Moses to me is this great image that he was himself. Right, he didn't try to take on the persona of Saint Isidore. He didn't try to take on the persona of Saint Macarius who he met. Um, he was he was Moses. Uh, when I met Muskeen, said something similar that I really liked because there was one time they asked him, "When I met, the, which of the fathers are you trying to, to emulate?" And he's like, "None." He was like, I'm, "I met the." Um, he goes, like, "I can try and learn from the virtues." of all of these people, but I'm not trying to become any of those people. And th- that's where, like, I see that story, especially in the story of that, that guy who went to see Moses, right, like, the that he tricked, and the, the boat story. Because authenticity means that you know yourself, you know who you really are, the good and the bad. And this authenticity, I think, is why Moses wasn't able to bring himself to judge others. Right, is that he, he was very aware of himself. And so that was why he felt incredibly unable to cast judgment on, on, on anyone, not just in that story. So there's this other story. Um, so this was what I was looking for. I thought it was the day of the ordination, but it wasn't. Once the fathers of Shahid were gathered together, but because some people wanted to see Abba Moses, they treated him rudely saying, why does this Ethiopian come and go in our midst? Right, It's inferior and non-Egyptian. But Moses, hearing this, held his peace. When the congregation was dismissed, they said to him, Abba Moses, were you not upset? And he said to them, Although I was upset, I did not utter a word. Right? Like, they, even, even in this, like, I love the authenticity. Right? Like, this is, eventually he learns not to be upset. But when he was upset, he didn't pretend he wasn't. Right? He was able to have self-control and say, Okay, I won't return evil for evil. But I'm also not going to pretend that it didn't bother me. Yes, it bothered me. Right? It did bother me that I was treated in this way. Right? It, he didn't claim perfection. Because right? many of us, once you get that attention where someone asks you, like, were you upset? Like, no, 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 Baraka, a blessing. You know, I was glad to suffer for them. <laughs> no, you, you weren't. You weren't happy at all. Right? You were bothered and it hurt you and it upset you. Very few people <laughs> reach the state where they are actually completely still, where it doesn't bother them in any way. Um, like even when a Lazarus has his complaints sometimes about how, um, and he's a hermit, like of, of how people treat one another and himself. So he's very real. He doesn't pretend he was not upset. He worked on virtue, right? His work on virtue was let me try not to get angry. Let me try not to um, respond to this person, and he's successful in that. But was true to where he was at, and that's why one of the things that he one of his famous quotes is. It is better for a man to put himself to death rather than his neighbor, and he should not condemn him in anything. Right? Like, this is one of his big life lessons, right? Is that it would be better for a man to die rather than for his brother to die, um, and never to judge your neighbor, never to condemn your neighbor for absolutely anything, right? And the reason, and so he doesn't pretend that wrong isn't wrong, because today we come to think that being non-judgmental means like pretending that everything's okay he doesn't do that like he's able to discern right from wrong the difference is he doesn't go to somebody and condemn them he doesn't go to people and say you're wrong and then what was the end result 500 monks took him as their teacher right and said well whatever you're doing is right right so like you're doing something right can you teach us how to be right like you like the way that that you are um we talked about, one of the lessons to me was the whole, if you want something, work for it, which is the whole, uh, the prayer quote as well as getting the water for others. Um, another big lesson for me is the, is the discipleship, especially in our day and age, right? Is that St. Moses didn't do a do-it-yourself spirituality, right? Which is so common today. I don't know I don't know why we think that we know Christianity just by being dunked in water when we were infants, um, but we don't. So I love that when he had problems, he went to his father and as a result, he learned, right? And he didn't go back to his spiritual father and say, "Um, you clearly don't know what you're doing because my temptations didn't go away, right? Which sometimes we will do. where it's like, well, he keeps giving me the same advice and I'm not, it's just not working. Um, But because he was persistent and, and spoke, he was able through his father, right? Through his spiritual father to receive grace to see what was really going on and to understand the nature of the warfare. But had he decided that clearly this guy doesn't know what he's doing because I'm still doing it, um, still struggling with this, then he would have um, lost out. I guess the last, I won't, the last one isn't a lesson more of a story, but the closeness of him and his spiritual father, St. Isidore, during my 40 days, which was me, Abuna Apiman, Abun Arsani, and Abuna Raphael, Um, from Corona. During liturgy, so we're in the Monastery of St. Beshoy. And so the ancient church of St. Beshoy is like this giant one in the middle. There's a tiny chapel for Abba Aschairun on the side um, that has its own door. So we would pray daily in here and we just take turns. um, And the body of St. Beshoy is in the main church. So while we were praying, some possessed lady came in to the main church Um, and was screaming and and crying and and all sorts of stuff with, like, a weird voice. So um, one of the fathers was anxious about it, so he closed the door of the chapel um, so that she could stay in the big church and not join us for liturgy. Um, Sure enough, within 15 minutes, the door, like, slammed open and she came in. Um, But during the liturgy... um, the devil could see saints that we can't see that are around us so she suddenly started screaming because she could see um, Moses she could see Saint Moses the black um, and then before long she goes no 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 not you two not you with him I hate I hate you or something like that um, and so um, she started screaming and she was like she goes yes I know you are Isidore I know you are Isidore so even so Saint Moses and Saint Isidore came together um, and so at, after liturgy, the priest took her to the relics of St. Moses and St. Isidore, where she was, no, no monk even got involved. Literally, just being in front of the bodies, she was exorcised. And actually, until this day, you can ask Abuna Sani from the Brotherhood, because he's usually at Dir Boromos. He's buried in the monastery of Baramos with the spiritual father. Um, on the daily, is exorcisms from the relics of St. Moses and St. Isidore. There's not a day that that there isn't. Um, but it's from the the power of those two saints. I think in particular, St. Moses, because of his non-judgment and because of the force of his repentance, right? Like, the, the change of life that he had, it wasn't a small thing, right? Like, that was a monumentous effort. It would be much more... Di- what he did is much more difficult than, like, a person who's been mostly religious their whole life, right? That kind of just took a little bend, like, of small stuff. But this person was... Complete left, going complete right. So God God is being glorified in him not only through his life during his own time, but until this very day through the supplications and prayers of his relics and of his spirits. And glory be to God forever and ever. Man.